Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello, everyone. My name is Umar Hamid. I'm your host on the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategy, and advice on how you can become better, stronger, faster. Just before we get started, I've got a question for you. Do you have a negative voice inside your head? We all do, right? I'm going to help you remove that voice in under 30 days guaranteed. Not only remove it, but transform it. So instead of the voice that sabotages you, there's one that propels you to much higher levels of performance and success. There's a link in the show notes. Click on it to find out more. All right, let's get started. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the No Limit Selling Podcast. And today we have two, kind of one, two experts on selling productivity and mindset because selling in in a lot of ways is the easiest profession in the world if it wasn't for our own mindset that sometimes gets in the way where we're actually mapping our realities onto other people. It's like, well, Angela, that might be too much for Angela. I shouldn't say that. And I have no idea who Angela is or what she does. We make up these stories. And so it's our mindset gets in the way. And so thank you so much for coming on the show so we can chat about uh, how we can help salespeople and leaders become better, stronger, faster. Marjorie, welcome to the program. Uh, Do a quick intro, then we'll go to Angela. I'm Marjorie Dudley. I am a sales and leadership coach with Southwestern Consulting, and I work with business owners, sales leaders, sales professionals all over the country to build the habits and the mindset and all the things that they need to build to have the business and life of their dreams. And I love doing it. I'm here in sunny Southwest Florida. And I have two kids married and uh, we're, we're loving Florida. We moved here about two years ago and, and it's, it's sunny and 84 right now. <laughs> um, we hate you. We're in Toronto. Right. Angela, <laughs> welcome to the program. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure thing. Uh, so thanks for having me. First off, Imar. Uh, I'm an integrative productivity coach. I work with entrepreneurs and sales professionals on understanding how their emotion, energy, time, and focus feed into creating their own natural productive flow. And um, my husband and I have uh, five kids, four adults, <gasps> one nine-year-old, three big dogs, an RV, and <laughs> we don't live in the RV, um, but we have it. It's fun. And uh, yeah, that's us. We're, we're in North Georgia, just outside of Atlanta. Brilliant. Today, I'm in foggy and cold Toronto, Canada. And uh, so sales, it's uh, nothing happens in the world unless somebody sells something, whether it's an idea, whether it's uh, one of your kids, Angela, that wants to go to uh, a sleepover. They're great salespeople, aren't they? And sometimes as kids, we're fearless and we know the strategies, which parent to talk to and how to talk to them to get the results that we want. But somewhere along the way, all of a sudden we start second guessing ourselves and our mindset gets in the way. What's one tip that you use Marjorie to change mindset so you can become braver and do the things you need to do to close accounts. One of the things that's been actually coming up quite a bit recently, both with my clients and and actually even with my own coach is the concept of curating your mindset. Ah. And, and, and what I mean by curating your mindset is really being intentional and, and almost, you know, aggressive about what we are feeding it, what we're allowing in. 
Uh, audiobooks are one of my favorite go-tos. Some people might love podcasts. This one certainly is a great one. And uh, uh, YouTube videos. But how are we intentionally ensuring that we're giving our mind the, the, the food that it needs to deliver the results that we want to deliver. And, and so often our mind is actually not our friend, at least not on its default setting. Um, listening to a book right now, The Comfort Crisis, and they're, they're relating a lot to hunger and things like that, but how your mind becomes not your friend when you get hungry and you go for the, the highest calorie or the, the most dense food item. In sales, I think that's there's some truth there as well, that your mind cannot be your friend sometimes. And so how are we curating our mindset with the things that we listen to, with the things we choose to say out loud and to ourselves? That's been, a, that's been a big theme. Angela, to you, same question. Repeat the question for me. So how do we change our mindset uh, so that we can actually get the things done that we need to do? Yeah, so I tend to go to a much deeper space with it. Mm -hmm. And so I, for me, productivity is rooted in emotion and that's what I teach. And I've seen this in sales over and over and over that people who choose sales as a career usually are coming from a space of wanting freedom and they want freedom and self-control. And a lot of that comes from childhood experiences of feeling like they didn't have control over what was happening around them. And they kind of left childhood with these stories of, I'm not capable, I'm not good enough, uh, I'm not deserving, or um, I'm too much or not enough. And when you, when you come from childhood with those stories and you're like, nope, I'm going to prove to everybody that I can make it. And sales is going to be my ticket there, right? And so they go into sales. And then those same stories that they heard through childhood are the same stories that show up in their mind when it's time for them to pick up the phone and make a connection. And so what's happening is they have to understand where these stories are coming from. And they have to relate the story to what it is that they actually want to achieve. Why are they actually in sales? What is their end goal? Because usually when we're thinking sales, we're thinking, okay, we're thinking numbers, we're thinking money, and money is not our motivating factor. Money is an, it, it's, it's a means to an end, and we have to really look at what our end goal actually is. What experiences do we want to create in our life? How do we want to grow? How do we want to contribute? And when we understand those things, then we can backtrack that by creating a motivating force that actually drives our, our idea of wanting to contribute what it is that we're selling, our product, our service, whatever, to this other person on the other side, because we want to change their lives. We want to positively impact them. And so when we understand that about ourselves and we understand the stories that are saying, you can't impact them, you can't make a difference in their lives. When we start to rewrite those stories, really pull them out and look at them and rewrite them, understand where they came from, then it's a natural shift in our mindset. And then that has a ripple effect that leads into our sales and then our impact from the sales that we make, both personally and the, the people that we're working with. 
So there are people that money is the motivator. I know people that are highly successful yep. and the sales hunters value Absolutely. is money and mm-hmm. money is a number to them and they just want to do more and more. And they're not bad people. They're amazing people, but yep. they know who they are and they know what drives them. Mm-hmm. So why don't we uh, go back to you, Angela, our relationship with money Mm-hmm. is for many people, it's a challenging one because money isn't mm-hmm. just money, it's emotions. Yes. Yeah. So what happens is, you know, a lot of times where the stories that we heard in childhood were created by the limitations that our parents had. So if if your parent thought, well, I'm not good enough, I'm too much, I'm not enough, or I'm not worthy, or, you know, let's say I'm a this is my role in life. This is my career. This is what I do. And and maybe that didn't provide as much for their family as they would have liked. Then that feeds into the child that then grows up. And then they feel like, well, that's all I'm capable of. That's all I I really am. And if people look deeply into me, that's all they're going to see is this. And then we have these bigger dreams and these bigger visions But when we think in terms of having money that's greater than where we came from, then a lot of times we feel this this sense of even sometimes a feeling of betrayal. If we earn this money, are we betraying the family that we came from? Are we making their life somehow like they couldn't provide as much as now I can? And then there's the idea of if I have this money, then am I showing off? Am I... There's so many different things that you can tie into money that don't necessarily feed into what it is you're actually trying to achieve. You may have like this big heart and you're out there trying and motivated by the impact that you want to make, but it's hard for people to associate that impact with money if they see money as part of their negative story. And when they start to relate the money to being a tool or a resource that can actually drive them towards making a bigger impact, that's when they start to relate money in a different way. But the biggest thing was, I'm sorry. So all of that is like, it depends on the individual. What you're doing is broad Mm -hmm. brushstrokes generally, but individuals Mm -hmm. are individuals and sometimes money is a motivator. And sometimes, you know, it's the relationship where you came from and sometimes not Mm -hmm. right. You can have people that come from a lot of money Mm-hmm. and a lot of wealth and also get negative beliefs around money. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. How about for you, Marjorie? Uh, you work with a lot of salespeople and people have a financial thermostat. And sometimes when they earn less than their thermostat is set, they'll do whatever it takes to get there. And if they go beyond that, sometimes they'll sabotage themselves to kind of get back to it. So how do you help people adjust that thermostat so they can actually achieve the goals they want to achieve? The thermostat is often one self-concept. Mm-hmm. And, and so the self-concept drives that which we'll tolerate. It drives that which we're willing to do to get the thing that we want. It also drives what we interpret to be our purpose, which, you know, I think to a lot of what Angela is saying, it's, it's very emotional in nature. Mm-hmm. So if one wants to change that thermostat to not, you know, if, if you know, on a scale of one to 10, if your money concepts a six, if you're a four, you're going to bust your butt to get to a six. But the second you start seeing eight level money success, you're going to sabotage back down to a, a, a six. What we have to actually work on is, is 
again, kind of to use that word curate, curating that mindset to change that self-concept, to dismantle some of the, the, the beliefs, the ideas, the stories that led to that self-concept, at least the parts of it that aren't serving us, and to intentionally work toward developing, identifying, and creating, creating a story and a self-concept that's more in supportive of what we're put on this earth to do. So it's a lot, it's a lot bigger than, than just a sale. It's a lot bigger than just an income level. It, it really does go back into purpose. And, and I'm a woman of faith. So, you know, why were we put on this planet? There's, there's something a lot bigger, bigger than, than just the paycheck, but really a, a spirit of, you know, how are we here to grow and serve? How are we serving uh, the people that we come in contact with and and how are we personally growing? And and the two are are linked. It's impossible to grow without service and it's impossible to serve without growing. So working on on really tapping into that core purpose and, and that thing that's bigger than ourselves, even bigger than our own families, even bigger than a career or an income level. Okay, so... Why do you think, here's a fact that uh, just kind of blew me away. In America, uh, arguably the richest country in the world, if you happen to be a homeless person and you have a cup and you've got $10 in the cup, you're richer than 50% of all Americans. Now, keep in mind, uh, those Americans have homes and mortgages and other stuff and they have great lives, but the debt versus how much they actually uh, have, the delta is less than $10. Mm -hmm. So how do you think we get to that? Because in our media, in our drive, we're entrepreneurs and we make things happen. Uh, where does that disconnect come from, Angela? Uh, I know we touched on some of it, but why is it so prevalent still? Well, I think that there's a you're kind of opening up a, a wormhole <laughs> with that. Um, yeah, there's there's a. I could go on for days about this. You're getting me up on a soapbox and I'm not going to go there, but because um, we have limited time, but I'll say that there is a lot of collective stuff that has happened in the world and in the country, specifically in the United States um, that has stemmed off of the industrial revolution that have created a specific concept of what your life is supposed to look like. Mm -hmm. And we're shifting that right now. And you see that more people are turning away from the conventional means of living your life and having your life experience. And they're saying, well, what if, you know, and then that what if is leading them into other directions. And so now you'll see that more people are starting to to create more of a life that is what they feel they truly want. And instead of saying, well, this is what I'm supposed to have, if that makes sense. So I feel like that's a, something that's shifting right now collectively. Um, but there is, there is that, that huge dichotomy of, of, you know, you'll have someone who's homeless on the streets and you'll have somebody who's comfortable in a, you know, kind of that, um, that middle suburban type of lifestyle and, and they're not that far apart because what net worth. Yeah. Yes. Because it, what one thing that I saw in the real estate industry, very specifically um, in 
let's say, um, 2007, 2008, was the real estate market completely tanked. Mm -hmm. And that hit the financial industry, the real estate industry, all of it, right? And I, I remember I was volunteering uh, with a, a group of women that I volunteered with, and we were putting on this big event for the homeless shelter downtown. Mm -hmm. And so we got there and we were, um, this is before we did, did the event, we were planning for it and we were at the homeless shelter and they were giving us a tour and introducing us to some of the residents. And one of the residents, it was a couple and they had both been in the mortgage industry. They had a big house. They had two nice cars and the mortgage industry died with the real estate industry and they found themselves in the homeless shelter. I mean, it was that fast. And it's because of, I think personally, a lot of the systems that we have put into place that don't speak to who we are as, as humans, as individuals. And we kind of try to create our lives according to the system of what is supposed to be instead of going into a direction of really, truly asking ourselves, what is it that we want to experience in our lives? Brilliant. And Marjorie, why do you think uh, it's so difficult, that relationship with money, wealth, because it's all around sales, because for sales, we have a lot of beliefs around selling and salespeople, and most of those beliefs are negative. Uh, and we have a lot of negative beliefs around money. And as salespeople, we get to do both, right? We get to ask for money and we get to be salespeople. And uh, so how do we change that mindset so that we can actually let go of the past and get the job done? Because you're right, because most salespeople are there for brilliant reasons. You know, I want to help people do better. Companies do better. And we go in and we sell. And sometimes we don't uh, show up as powerfully as we want because all of that stuff happening in our mindset. Yeah. So what's another tool you recommend? I think people that have a negative view of sales and salespeople have bought into a lie. Um, it's it's like having a negative view of teachers because there's a few bad teachers out there. Having a negative view of doctors because there's a few bad doctors out there. Let me, let me push back just a little bit. I can have a room of uh, 150 salespeople, and I can say, "Please finish this sentence for me." And on one side of the room, I'll have a flip chart with a green pen. And on the other side, I have a flip chart with a red pen. And finish this sentence for me, please. Salespeople are. And somebody goes, uh, outgoing, right, in a green pen. Uh, they are driven. They're motivated. And after about seven or eight positive attributes, then someone says, are sleazy, are trustworthy. And the negative list is larger than the positive. And this is a room full of salespeople. And then someone says, wait a minute. That's not us but they're the beliefs around society that we have around selling. And so that's something we have to contend with. It's a lie, I agree, but even salespeople have those things inside their head. And that's one of the things that sets that financial thermostat and how well you do. Again, I, I, it may be a majority and they may be able to come up with a faster, but it doesn't, it doesn't change the fact that it's, it's, it's a lie that people have bought into. There's ethical sales, just as there's unethical sales, there's ethical uh, physicians, just as there's unethical physicians. And so if someone is, is feeling that that state of being pushy or being uh, sleazy or whatever the negative words are, then that's from a story that, that, that they've repeated to themselves. Get that. But how do we get rid of that story is what I'm asking, is that it's in society, it's in us. And 
how do we let go of those stories because it's a lie and actually get back into what we need to do and actually reach our potential? Well, what are they saying to themselves to overwrite that story? I would challenge that someone that's buying into that hasn't hasn't gone to work overwriting that story. I can think of a lot of things that I've purchased over the years that I'm really glad that I purchased. I we can all think have. of a lot of, what was that? Oh, we all have. Like, Yeah. I, I guess I have a hard time relating to that because I've, I've been in sales for 20 plus years and I've been around so many amazing salespeople that 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 lie or that story doesn't doesn't okay. travel in, me, in my headspace. Uh, let me ask it a different way. In any sales team, you would have uh, A players, walk on water, mm -hmm. do amazing things. You got B players sure. that know just as much as the A's, but they don't, never quite reach it. And then you got C players. So the question is, why do B players stay B players? Because yeah. they have the same skill set, the same drive, but something stops them from stepping up into A's. And I guess that's what I wanted to chat about in this conversation today is how do we help those B players that are doing a good job, but not achieving greatness? Like what gets in the way of them doing that? A lot of times mindset and, and the way you change your mindset is changing what you listen to, changing what you say to yourself intentionally. There's so many great books. One of my favorite is The, the Power of Consistency um, by Weldon Long. And, and some people have followed, um, you know, The Secret and, and some of those those different manifesting books, mm -hmm. which that's a whole nother conversation. And it maybe never made sense to them. But what The Power of Consistency really talks about is intentionally building a plan where you work on your mindset mm. every single day. If you want to get physically strong, it would be wild to think you could get physically strong without doing something to build muscle every single day in terms of nutrition and you know whether you mm. use weight training or whatever. And here we want a strong mindset. And how many of us, and I've been guilty of this in different seasons of my life too, so it's it's not coming from a place of perfection, but recognizing a universal truth that if you want something to get stronger, you have to intentionally build it. So building affirmations and beliefs, curating uh, and dwelling on the positive stories from our own successes in our own life. Um, Psycho-Cybernetics is another book that uh, I just love. And he was referencing some, some statistics about uh, people that are not hitting your, their goals, those B players that you were talking about, or even those C players, uh, tend to replay their failures at an, exponential, an exponentially greater rate than they replay their successes versus mm -hmm. people who are replaying their successes, are intentionally cultivating thoughts around their successes, thoughts around how they get uh, better. Um, another great book in the in the space is Mindset by Carol Dweck, backed with tons of research. Everything has to do with what we're saying to ourselves intentionally, what we're listening to, uh, what we what we allow our what we tolerate in terms of conversations. And and the second you turn on the switch of of not allowing. A, a negative self-talk, you know, oh, well, I, I had a client recently say, I'm just not good at, and they, they rattled off some, something or other. And I was like, whoa, 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 let's, let's talk about that. And, and we caught it in the moment that even just the fact of reiterating, I'm not good at, is in a sense, giving your, your mind a cue to continue to find and, and seek and find 
evidence that you're not good at instead of building a way to become better at instead of building a way, a methodology, a belief around being competent at said thing. So even being aware of those little things that come out of our mouth of I'm not good at, or, Oh, I'll never, or they just, you know, had that because right. All these little verbal things that we say. So what we listen to, what we think, what we say. So, Angela, before we part company today, why don't you share a, a quick client story of taking someone from where they were and where you got them? Okay, sure. So when it comes to sales specifically, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I believe that there are sales hunters and there are sales matchers, and mm-hmm. they're just two different styles. I don't believe in ABC players. And... Um, So I'll give you an example of someone who was defined as a C player, um, would have been a Z player if that was a thing. Right. Um, but she really was just a sales matcher. And so this was in a real estate office and she was, um, extremely meticulous, very well educated, very caring for her clients Mm -hmm. and the people that she worked with. She did an excellent job with absolutely every single piece of her work. And it was very important to her that she did a good job, but she was also the person who showed up and brought candy in the office and fresh baked breads and casseroles and things like this. And she's just a very warm, loving, caring, nurturing individual. And so what happens though, is that in sales, the sales trainers are taught to focus on the top 20% and sales training is designed to focus on the top 20%. So you have these other people who don't resonate with that style of selling. And then all of a sudden, they're, they think that they're not capable, they're not worthy. And so she was a really strong example of that. And so what happened was, I actually went with her on one of her listing appointments to see just to shadow her, see what she was doing. And she did a wonderful job. The Uh, body language of the people where they were leaning in, they were open, they were excited to talk to her, they're smiling, they're nodding their head, they're giving all the big positive cues. And then right before she got to the part where she was talking about her commission, she actually apologized and said, I'm really sorry. Um, We usually charge 6%. I know that's a lot. Um, I I can do it for four. Um, and, And she just started to trip over her words and just really start to drag it out. And she lost them. They sat back, they folded their arms, they got really confused. And you could see it like, wait a minute, like everything was great. And then when she started apologizing for actually charging them, it was a problem. And she walked away without the listing. They said, we'll think about it. We have other agents we're interviewing. And that's where where it left off. And so I was working with her on her style of selling and on building up her self-worth based around showing her how the individual traits that she was showing and caring and nurturing for people and how well she had educated herself so that she was so knowledgeable and really able to support people. I was putting her value in front of her like a mirror and showing Mm -hmm. her how she stood out from the sales hunters who were more about the instant sale and then moving on and not about creating the connection and the bond or putting the strong efforts into, into really learning their trade to the level that she had. 
And so when I did that, and she was able to, to really build up that level of self-confidence and self-awareness around what she did have to offer. She showed up in the office with a 10% listing commission, 10%. When she ordinarily kind of the, the usual charge was 6% and she was apologizing and taking four, she came in with a 10% one. And the difference was her belief in her value and her ability to express that value vocally. Brilliant. So Angela, how can people get a hold of you? Sure. You can go to ProductiveFlow.com and you can learn all about our products and services specifically for entrepreneurs and salespeople. Brilliant. We're going to put uh, your info in the show notes. And for you, Marjorie, what's a client story for you, a success story? So specific, do you want to be specific to, to mindset and belief or, or do oh, you want... Dealer's choice. Dealer's choice. Oh, boy. Uh, I'm thinking of a, of a financial advisor who, um, and we're not financial advisor specific, but, but this particular individual works with a lot of high net worth individuals. And she was really good at, or is really good, is really amazing at making these connections. But one of the, the biggest obstacles was allowing the uh, allowing negativity to creep in and and just be all consuming so much so that it would creep into you know productivity creep um, you know energy creep uh, and and really affect her honestly the the conversations that would be Never mind. Please go on. She would, no, she she's not creepy, but she would let the negativity creep and and really overtake her mindset. So, you know, back to Angel's original point, the the power of the stories that we tell each other. It felt so personal that it it actually had a ripple effect and impacted activity and passion and purpose and vision and goals. It impacted. Uh, the, the productivity habits and the prospecting habits that she had. And so a lot of what we have, have worked on, and, and I love working with this individual, we've been working together for several years, is again, building up that mindset fortress that allows her to uh, really roll with the punches. Uh, she's definitely, she is an A-type individual, but really rolling with the punches so that she can be her best self every day. So when oh, yeah. when our mindset is on fire, when our activity is on fire, um, when our communication is, is genuine and sincere, when we sincerely want to help people, uh, we really are unstoppable in sales. It doesn't mean you'll win everything, but it does mean that you are engaging with people in the right way, that the, the people that are right fit for your, your product and service will, will, will find you and will. How do people get a hold of you, Marjorie? Uh, you can find me at uh, Marjorie Dudley, my first name, last name, Marjorie Dudley, SWC.com. Brilliant. Thanks for being on the show today and dear listeners and viewers. Thank you so much for tuning in to the episode of No Limit Selling. If you like it, please subscribe to the podcast and you can find me, Umar Hamid at uh, mindsetboosters.com. Have a great day and thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming. And that is the fastest way to get better results. 